Welcome to the Emotioneering Podcast with me, Melissa Curran, founder and CEO of the Modern Mind Group. We're dedicated to improving your people skills so that you can have better relationships with others for a much more fulfilling life or career. People skills are not just a nice to have, they're a have to have. So when it comes to organizations as well, this really does impact the workplace and the results that you'll get from that. We're going to be delving into topics such as emotional intelligence, communication, leadership, workplace well-being, mental health, culture, and performance. I'm going to be answering your questions on all of these topics and sharing some insights from my career to help you move forward and definitely emotioneer a modern mindset. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel or on the Facebook page as well as LinkedIn. We look forward to connecting with you there. On this episode, we're talking about emotioneering broadcasting. It is an art. It's a skill. The way that we sound when we're broadcasting, when we're speaking to a mic and when we are delivering a message to an audience and we know that there's people on the other side of that microphone or the other side of those speakers, it is definitely something that we can improve and it's something that we can harness. Maybe it's something that we can unlock in you if you've been thinking about taking that step into doing a podcast, into doing an audio book. Emotioneering broadcasting is definitely going to look at this. Now, fear of speaking has been around for hundreds of years. Broadcasting, when we're talking about it, is about, you know, radio shows, uh, now clubhouse shows and rooms, uh, commentary, audiobooks, podcasts, all of this, including sort of voiceover work that we may be doing, uh, commentary on sports events and things like this. So, so broadcasting in the way that we speak is very specific. It's a very specific way to communicate and express yourself with the world out there, right? Once you hit record, once you hit live and you are out there, then people are going to start to get to know you. They're going to start to understand what type of person that you are. They're going to be intrigued. They may want to know more. They may really gravitate towards you and the things that you're saying. You know, we can be educational. We can be inspirational. We can share an uplifting message and a story. And often people will say things when it comes to people that broadcast. They'll say things like, oh, they have a voice for radio. Or, oh, I could listen to you all day. They'll say things like this. Or they have a voice that people would absolutely die for. Right? They'll say things like that. So what is it that makes that voice or that audio, or that person that is speaking to you, what makes it sound so great? And what is it about the quality of the voice that does that? So it is very much an art. There's a certain type of voice that we like to listen to. And I mean, we'll have our preferences, right? It is, it is very subjective. Many different people will like many different things. But there are these people that we gravitate to through a podcast, through a broadcast, a little bit more or broader casting as people are talking about now. So voice quality and, you know, the, the broadcaster's art as it is, um, for, for me, it started many, many years ago. And I was talking yesterday about years and years ago, when I was six or seven, I was sent for elocution lessons. 
And my mum sent me on them. I did ask her actually yesterday why she sent me on the elocution lessons. And she didn't know <laughs> why she had an She didn't have an answer for me. She can't remember why she decided to do it. My mum was very into performing arts. Uh, she, my mum loved theatre. She loved singing. My mum's been a, a singer on cruise ships. So when I was younger, I don't know, maybe she thought it was a way of me improving my confidence kind of having that courage to stand in front of others and speak but anyway I was about six or seven I was wearing this very kind of uh, hmm, let's say interestingly entertaining yellow uh, leotard and apparently I used to bounce around the house going pew, 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 <laughs> in this leotard before and afterwards but anyway I would go to the elocution lessons and I mean it was very specific very traditional in the way that you would communicate not in the way that a communication or, or a child would be communicating in South Wales at the age of six or seven and I had to read this poem as part of kind of um, the, the the sort of evaluation process or the kind of assessment and it was called the hairy toe the hairy toe so check that out I do do many accents now maybe this is also part of the elocution lessons but it's the way that we sound the words so the way that language sounded and the way that we came across started for me when I was six or seven and then I was absolutely fascinated by the radio that there was somebody in there that was talking to me and I started to record the radio when there were competitions and I started to get a little bit older. I used to phone up the radio station. And then I actually became um, part of a hospital radio station in Morrison Hospital. And there were many people that I met through that that I'm still friendly with now. And it was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. I loved everything to do with it, apart from the tech side, I wasn't so great at that. I've got better, you know, I edit and uh, my own podcast and I record this with a microphone and everything else. I, I wouldn't say that I am highly skilled. I've been a, a self-learner, definitely. But I, it was something that when I saw all those buttons and those faders, it really kind of overwhelms you when you're in the recording studio. Being there, the mic being turned on and talking, that's great. Knowing how to do everything else, that takes it to another level. So I understand that there may be some technophobia out there that people can experience, as well as wondering what people will think of them when they start to talk or start to broadcast in a podcast, on a radio show, on a YouTube channel, whatever way you may be sharing your voice. But voice is very, very specific. And that's what I wanted to talk about today. It's not the same. People aren't connecting with you in a way where they can see you. They're connecting with you through language. So it's vitally important that the voice and the quality of the voice, the accents, the way that you say things can, you know, engage the audience, that they like to hear that. And we're very specific about the language that we like to hear and the way that we want to hear it. So the first radio show that was actually broadcast, I tried to find out. But there's so many different dates. One person says it was 1865. Uh, one report on Google says it was 1906. And then another one says it was 1920. So there's many people that like to stick claim to the first radio show, the first news uh, cast. So it's but it, it ultimately about 120 years ago, that's what was happening. Radio was being born. And what they found was that actually, 
by broadcasting, we brought about a new consciousness of primary kind of speech. Uh, people started to pronounce things better. People started to have more structure and composition to the way that they articulated themselves. Interested. When you look at children now, and you watch them watch a very American program when they're younger, or they listen to the way that something sounds on a tape, and then they start to imitate. As they learn to speak, they start to imitate a certain accent, right? It's very fascinating to us as human beings. We start to connect with the language more than when we see print. We we often, I don't know if you do this, I read print or I read articles that people write. And when I know it's written by them, I read it in their, in their kind of language or in their tone. Imagine, for example, we were to read something that Morgan Freeman had written. Very specific voice, very specific style. We would think about his voice and the way that he sounded. And we would start to associate whatever he had written with that voice. So it's that tone that goes through the language that we use. Um, whereas if we were just reading print and we didn't know the person that it was written by, we may not connect with the language as much. <laughs> There's probably journalists, writers out there now going, what is she talking about? This isn't true. But we start to imagine, but we're not necessarily connecting as much with the language is what I'm saying. This, of course, again, this is an opinion. It can change. You can say what you would like about it. That's fine. Uh, but this is from the research that I've been doing and the things that I have been reading around the topic to help you guys understand it a little bit more. But that's what it was all about. So in the early days, it really helped us to dis rediscover spoken language when the radio was launched. OK. But when it comes to the radio, you will never be lonely because there's someone there and that's what I think I love about it is no matter where you are if you're painting some a room and no one else is around you can pop on the radio and you can have a chat you can find out about current affairs and often you may find yourself speaking back to the radio even though no one can hear you or <laughs> is that just me maybe that's maybe it's just me I've got a brilliant interview that you're going to hear on the next episode, and it is with Alex Chisnell. And Alex Chisnell has been in broadcasting for over 30 years. So he really does know his stuff and his voice, the way he sounds, the way that we connect to the audience. He was saying in there, and you will hear it, is just absolutely vitally important. And they re people do really, really connect with you, right? So when it comes to voice quality and control, what are the things that we're really looking at? Well, we're looking at inflection and the tone. So the inflection and the tone. So inflection, kind of how you sound things. So for example, he was great. <laughs> That's like, that is an example of inflection. I've sounded very surprised saying the sentence, he was great, so kind of how I'm saying it, but it's not necessarily the tone. The tone really predicts sort of, what the meaning is the kind of subtext right underneath what we're saying and if you take inflection and tone together then that will start to form a type of personality around what you're saying then you've got pitch you know how high are we talking on the broadcast or hello are we talking on the broadcast the pitch right will determine that we've also got tempo are we talking really 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 fast and are we explaining things far too quickly for people to be able to understand what we're saying or are we talking very very slowly right so 
again, that could be uh, something to look at with the way that you sound your voice. It could be the volume, right? You could be talking really, really loud when actually you just want to be able to bring it down and bring people in. So it could be the volume that you're using. So understanding how to do these things with your voice, understanding how to control them, understanding how to pause when you need to is an important element to the art of being able to broadcast. Why do we fear it? So why do we fear these types of things? Because we, we often fear what we don't understand. So if we don't understand what happens when it comes to voice control and how we use our voice, then we can be a little bit anxious about the way that we come across. We may have had people say things to us when we were younger and now we've held on to those and they now become limiting beliefs, right? So number one is we fear the way we sound and what other people will think. My advice to this is make it personal, right? It is about you. You are nobody else. Make it, make it about, you know, not about you. What I mean is be you, right? Practice what you're saying. The first time that you hear yourself, I've mentioned this before, you may not like what you hear and that's okay. But you learn to love your voice. There's no such thing as someone saying, oh, they absolutely love the way they sound. Well, we learn, we learn to love it. We, we just accept, right? Many people that broadcast accept the way that they sound. That's the difference. They accept that's who they are. They accept that people are going to love them. Some people are not going to like it. Many people will. And that's what they do. So practice, start to get to know yourself through your audio. Uh, do it a few times, but not 500 times, you know, a couple of times. Just have a little bit of a practice, have a play around. You don't have to hit live. Remember, the great thing about pre-recording is that you can do it. And if you don't like it, you can start again or edit that part. So that's what's good about it. Of course, I'm recording this live. This is not the first podcast I've done. It's not the first speaking session that I have done. I've spoken many, many times before. I've delivered over a thousand workshops standing in front of people, sometimes for a full day of eight hours of talking. And I'm quite comfortable with that. So recording this live is more of a challenge in terms of not getting distracted, staying focused, understanding things may not go to plan, like my dog interrupting on yesterday's recording and things like this. So you can do it. Absolutely. Every single person has the opportunity and the potential to do it. The challenge will be in noticing what happens with your voice and understanding that you can improve the way that you sound. Okay. If you have quite a monotonous tone and it's all on one level, there are exercises you can do to change that. Okay. And then when it comes to the second thing, technophobia, the technophobes. Like I said, when I got into that recording studio, I was like, whoa, too many faders, too many stuff. Oh my gosh, what am I going to press? And uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not so comfortable. But here in my kind of recording area with my mic, I know how to use what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Then I'm, I'm pretty comfortable, right? But when we do something for the first time, we're out of that comfort zone. If you don't know how to do it, I didn't know how to do it. There's Google, uh, Alex Chisnell, 
who's going to be on the interview in the next podcast. You can check him out. He's the podpreneur. He also knows how to do these things. He's been doing it for many, many years and we'll be able to help you. You know, if you, if you want some, some guidance, there are people out there that are able to do this. There's, there's voice coaches. You can definitely improve and you can definitely build. But remember, it's not necessarily confidence. Remember, emotioneering is about finding that courage to step in to your genius, to move forward, supported and encouraged to give it a go. Right. And then that confidence comes through experience. Okay. In 1988, John Charles Herbert he did a PhD and his thesis was on broadcast speech and the effect of voice quality on the listener. Right. So from the audience's perspective, it's quite a good read. I would highly suggest you Google it and check it out. But what he concluded was and, and what he found that was highly important was that the listener must be able to get a clear impression of the broadcaster's personality. Let me repeat that again must be able to get a clear impression of the broadcaster's personality. If you are allowing fear and nerves to take over too much, you're not going to come across as yourself. If you allow other thoughts about what people may think, you're not going to come across as yourself. So it is really about loving who you are and accepting who you are and focusing on the message, the purpose. And if you listened to my interview with Andrew Lopez, then you will remember that he said purpose over performance. Focus on the purpose of the message versus the performance. That will help you to stay true to the message that you are given. You can then listen back. You can evaluate what you've recorded and then do some exercises to improve. Practice is the best thing to do. It's not going to get improved overnight. That's not possible. So yes, it is about being able to help the person that is listening to get a clear impression of who you are and your personality. So to conclude, be you, make it personal, share those stories that you feel a little bit too vulnerable to do. And I promise you, your audience is going to keep going up. It's not going to skyrocket overnight and your confidence may not skyrocket overnight, but it's going to build. So everybody starts somewhere. Why don't you start today? Thanks for listening to the Emotion Earring podcast with me melissa curran today it's been great remember to subscribe to facebook linkedin youtube or all three you can also come to the website modernmindgroup.com where you can subscribe there stay in contact and let us know what you really think give us the feedback this is going to get better by knowing what you think uh, has this given you food for thought has it helped you change something what has it inspired let us know because that's why we're doing it it's all about the people, people, people. <laughs> Have a great day and ciao for now.